teacher. I'll take all the prayer I can get. It's been a wild year to be a teacher during a COVID-19 pandemic, in person, out of person, hybrid, virtual, distance learning, mass, the whole nine. It's been a wild ride, and uh, our school year just ended uh, this past week, so um, it was pretty amazing. I teach uh, fifth grade, and um, it's been amazing to see how much uh, these students are like resilient. It's amazing how much they were just able to press through and finish strong. And so I'm excited to talk today about this series called The Good Place. Uh, we've been talking about heaven and hell, and that when we look at the scripture and we look about what's to come, it's more about hope than it is fear. I think a lot of times when we think about um, what's to come, I know for me as a child in the 90s, it was all fear-driven. Like you better say a prayer, you better go to church, you listen to this music, better go to these places, and it was all about, like, if you do this, then you'll get back. And I think there's more hope to it than just simply just trying to escape this life to get to a better place. As we close out the series of New Heavens and New Earth, it's really about heaven coming here. In the end, we are going to go there, we'll go there for a time, then we come back to the New Heavens, New Earth, where God restores everything. And to me, that gives me a lot more hope than that know that God's not coming up on this place, that God's not giving up on you, that it's all part of his plan to bring it back to the, to the way that he always wanted it to be. It's about restoration. And growing up as a kid in the 90s, um, I would see these bumper stickers on different cars where it said, in case of rapture, this car would be unmanned. It was more about there than not here. And it was all about trying to escape this life. And um, think about it as a person who's unchurched, if you saw this uh, bumper singer, um, that does not encourage you to want to go to church. <laughs> that like, encourages you to like, go to the other lane, you know, and um, it's just I suppose, such a conflict of interest to see, like, in case of Rapture's part of so pretty much like, sorry, world, um, in my absence, I'm going to cause more destruction than good. You know, like, it's, it's a funny pun in the church world, but I don't think it really lands. Uh, for those who are not in the church. And then we saw like, movies where the church was like, obsessed with like the end times. And it was like, a major money marketing thing with books and movies like Left Behind. Again, it was all about the there, not here. And for some odd reason, they decided to make a remake of this movie with Nicholas Cage. Because nobody has any hope about the life to come in Nicholas Cage, right? I mean, it's just crazy to think about um, that, that, that these are tools, that these are ways to draw people to Jesus. And, and, and for me, it just as a Christian, I just felt like um, conflicts. I'm like, I don't see the connection. I, 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 like, I get that it's marketable, but I don't think it's biblical. And um, growing up, um, even in the 70s, um, there was a movie that my parents played for me that freaked me out. If you don't know this movie, don't worry about it, not missing anything. It was called a thief in the night. And there was like this theology where like at a certain point, at a certain time, we're all going to disappear from Jesus. And there's going to be the leftovers that rest here. And there was like, I remember the trailer, it was like mom cooking, I'm on the kitchen and there was like steam water and then the mom like disappears. And then the kid's like, mom! But like I literally had that fear growing up. There was one time when like, I was like in like second grade and I came home from school and like, my mom was cooking in the kitchen and then like, something, like something, I didn't see her leave and I saw like the pot of water on and she wasn't there. I thought, oh my gosh, the rapture came and I missed it, you know? Like, I'm stuck here. I'm like, no. Again, it was like the 
this whole thought about what's going there but not here. And if you Google this type of theology, there's actually a term for it. It's escapism. Escapism theology, where it's more about escaping this world than engaging this world. Jesus didn't teach his disciples to leave the creator own space, to have an us versus them mentality. He said, go, create new disciples. And wherever you go, I will be there. He wants us to be salt and light. Jesus called us to build bridges, not to make laws with, 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 with culture. He wants, to, he wants us to engage it. He doesn't want us to escape it. And looking at this escape of theology, like, how would you know if what you came across is an escape of theology? And I think when it comes, when you hear things like this, where people say, oh, it's just a sin problem. We can dismiss, we can dismiss it or people, no need for empathy, compassion, suffering with those who suffer, or anything of the sort. Has nothing to do with injustice or systems or the like. It's just sin. When you hear people say, oh, it's just a sin problem, that totally removes Christians from being engaged. And I'm sorry, like, we're supposed to engage culture. We're supposed to be the agent to change culture, not to be separate from it. And when we say, oh, it's just a sin problem, they say, oh, racism, oh, it's just a sin problem. We don't have to take care of it. No! As Christians, we should be engaging and restoring. Building bridges, not just saying, well, it's a sin problem. It's, it's up to Jesus. We'll, we'll, we'll fix everything. No, that's not the way it's to be. We're supposed to engage and help and restore, bring heaven here to earth. Another phrase you might hear that kind of has this escape from theology is, oh, people just need the gospel. Oh, look at this world. People just need the gospel. And honestly, it takes off the hook if you think about it. But actually engaging in this world, we can stay safe in our. Bible studies and our private devotions with God instead of connecting with the outside world and embodying the gospel. It takes us off the hook. We're not called to believe in Jesus and then just step back and let everything go. It's like when you accept Jesus into your life, that's where things begin. It's not where things end. And if we say we're, we're followers of Christ, Jesus engaged the world. He was a friend of sinners. And it breaks my heart to know that in today's day and age, being a Christian doesn't mean you're a friend of sin. Usually means you're an enemy. I think it breaks God's heart because Jesus was known for who he hung out with. And he was criticized for who he hung out with. And he didn't care because that person was valuable. Didn't matter who they were, what their background was, what their lifestyle was, Jesus loved everyone. We're called to do the same. You know, my brother, he's older than me, and uh, he spent a number of years in ministry in some really amazing, massive churches. Um, I was a church planner for a time, and I'd be happy if like 50 people came to my church. I mean, it was a really big deal. Like 100 people came to my church, it was like, ooh, we're three minutes, it's amazing. Like, he went to church with like thousands. And now he's, he's out of church world and he's trying to become a, a professor and uh, he went to school for communications and directing and he directed all these like Christian like shows and, and movies and things like that and then he's trying to like make a change. And, and we were talking this week, he's like, how? He's like, I'm thinking it was my because I've got churches on my resume. And I'm like, wow. It, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to, to hear things like that. And my hope is that as we come through this pandemic, as we come through this time, 
this is a chance for Christians to hit the reset button. Maybe this can be a time when we're known for how we love, not known for how we judge. Maybe this can be a time when people around us, they get a sense of heaven, not fear for hell. That's my hope. We need to be the gospel, not just say that people need the gospel. And the last thing is, no justice until Jesus comes. Oh, you know, we're just hanging around until Jesus comes. We'll make everything right. And uh, I don't like, I, I don't see the connection. There are folks who think of heaven as the answer to all earthly problems. But they don't have to deal with the earthly problems. It keeps us from being salt and light. And the interesting thing about salt in those days, it wasn't just the action flavor. You know, I love watching Chopped. You know, it's like one of my favorite shows when I come there's nothing on, watch, like, watch the soap shop, who's getting chopped today, who's from Philly, it wasn't the time the chefs were from Philly. And one of the, like, one of the criticisms that the judges always had is that they eat this amazing food and they're like nitpicking it, you know? It's like, oh, we need more salt. We need more salt. That's the flavor. But in this day and age, salt wasn't just something you got at the end, just to kind of get that little bit made of flavor. It was something that would preserve the meat, keep it fresh. Help it last. That's my hope as Christians that we can help preserve things in this world. We can help people last. When people feel like they're at the end of the rope, our salt, our light can help them say that, hey, and we can keep going. Maybe there's hope. You know, I don't get a lot of hope at work when I'm around, you know, this church or this person who knows Jesus. It's like there's something different about you. There's something hope giving, life giving. People need to know that we care about them, that we care about this place. When you think about it, God created this world. He didn't create this world just for us to be here and then go. He created something that has value. You know, like when um, my kids make something, it's like massive. It means something like so huge to me. And I, and, and I like, they made art at their school and I had the art in my office because we go to the same school and not my office, like on my desk and everything. And they like commented, oh wow, you, you kept our drawings. I'm like, yeah, man, these are cool. Like my son made this like new little rainbow line and everything. It's like, that's a rainbow line, you know? And can you imagine how they felt if they saw that in the trash? What am I teaching them? If what they made, I just said, eh, you only have drawings. Eh, this wasn't that great. Eh, you could have done better. What message am I sending? We want to elevate it, want to highlight it. It gives them value. When we elevate God's creation, when we elevate others, it brings honor to God and to the people that He created in this world that He created. First Corinthians 15, 35 and 58 says this. Heaven, the new earth, is a physical place where we dwell with glorified bodies. Eventually, heaven and earth will meet, and it will be the way that God intended it to be. Perfect, no sin, no death, and we'll have these glorified bodies. So, when I think about this, I love movies. Um, not the, like, left behind movies. Like, and if you like novels, I'm sorry, but like, that, that's cool. We can have like, a talk sometime. But when I think of like, heaven and glorified bodies, I think it's Alright, like for me, I'd like to have a glorified rock body. You know, I like to have some like bulging biceps and like the swollen looks, you know, like it'd be awesome. Like it's so funny that this movie was about people going into this game to lift the curse, to 
and restored to the way it was supposed to be. And it's like these like little glimpses of like what heaven's like. And they did, and I love this. His strengths, fearless, climbing, speed, boomerang, smoker, intensity. Witnesses, no. We need love to get to a place where our heavenly earth and our glorified bodies where we have new witnesses. You know, when you, when, when you feel that tension, you don't have to worry about saying something out of anger. You don't have to do, worry about doing something that you regret. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. All right, let's just pause right there, okay? You don't have to worry. I don't know about you, but how many of us today come in with some type of worry? You know, I know I do. I mean, there's certain things where we're about what's, what, what's going on right now in your current job, your current life. Maybe some of us are in care and regrets of things that we've done before. And it's like, no matter what we do, we still can't let go of those regrets. We have all those what-ifs. And maybe we just need to let those what-ifs go and follow God who restores things and says, look what can be. Listen, don't get so focused on what was. Look what I'm doing right now. Right now. Revelation 21 says this. There will be a new and perfect planet in which we will in which we will dwell. A restored dwelling place, free from sin, sickness, evil, suffering, and death. And doesn't that just give you hope? I mean, how discouraging is it is when you're like flipping through like your Facebook feed and you see like a, a, a news report about this person being kidnapped or this thing happened to this person. I mean, like, uh, it's just, it's like, oh my gosh, the gravity that people are capable of. And maybe some of the things that you faced in your life where you feel like, I went through this, I went through this situation, how can it be God? How can God allow it to happen? Where is God? I mean, live, unfortunately, we live in a, a broken, messed up world, and because of that broken and messed up world of sin, things aren't the way God wants them to be. But eventually, He's going to restore things. He's going to make all things new. And how great, how amazing is it, can it be if us as Christians can take part in helping Him become a little sooner and a little that time when someone's hurting, we can kind of like put down our groans and actually listen. Those times when we're at our job, when we can just kind of like mail it in, that we can actually go all in and see the kind of seeds that are planted when, when we do that. You know, it's, it's so interesting to hear the story about this church plant. It's interesting that we're actually here this morning because it's a miracle. You know, I, I remember the story I was just telling you that when he first came here, he was working in this place. And they didn't allow us to be in this place. They said no. But through Alex's character, through Alex's just day and day way of just doing the right thing the right way, how cool is it that we finally get to be in this amazing space? And I can tell you that if Alex was a jerk, that Alex, if Alex was a person who walked right on earth, I don't think we'd be here. I really don't. Part of the reason why we're here, man, is you. Is you. Thank you for that. This place is awesome. How cool is this? We're in an art gallery. 
where, where like we can like hear uh, just awesome worship, hear hear a message, and then like look at this cool art in the midst of creation, people's creation as we learn about God's creation. I don't know. This it's cool. I find it I find it so neat to be those kind of things. I love art. And can you imagine if after this art show was done, the collectors just got it and just like threw it out? I mean, have you guys ever looked at some of the price tags on these paintings? I'm like, oh, I like that. Look at the price. Oh, no, I can't afford that right now. Get a smaller one. Got a print. You know, these things have value. When something is created, it has value. But unfortunately, today, we live in a throwaway culture. It's almost like we're conditioned to throw things out. Um, there's some statistics when it comes to clothing 79% of clothing will end up in a landfill. 20% of it will be incinerated, 1% will be recycled. Here, here's a quote about how much we waste. 75% of clothing materials end up in landfills. This amount is to the equivalent of one garbage truck of textiles per second. Can you imagine if like, you looked at the window and saw a garbage truck come by, garbage truck come by, of this waste? And it's like, and listen, I, I love clothes, I love a good deal, I'm not gonna lie, you know? Um, but things that are cheap, they don't last. And some of the things that are cheap, they're not resourced properly. There are there are people that, you know, we're betting off of, like we're benefiting off of their cheap labor. It's, it's terrible. And there's a movement going on today of, of slow fashion, buying less, buying more high quality to appreciate it and restore it. Um, my wife has a pair of boots um, from a old school TV star, Lanchop, um, Sherry Williams. And um, what's up? Lewis, Lewis Sherry Lewis. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Sherry Lewis. Because um, you know, I, I watch Lanchop all the time. Um, I love sock puppets. You know, they're so cool. Um, but it's so cool. She got these boots and she had to get new zippers on. And we took them to like a cobbler, uh, the shoe repair guy in Roxborough. And he was saying how well these boots are made. How like the details, how they're custom, and like how they're just—they're not your typical boots. They like added value to those boots. You know, there's a story to those boots that brings value to it. There's a story to your life that brings value to who you are. You know, and when we have this mindset of having a throwaway culture of buying and just consuming and letting go, how do you think that plays out in how we treat each other? Relationships we have when we when we have a hard time, oh, just get rid of it. You know, just that big relationship. You, you're facing a challenge at a job. Oh, I'll just get you a job. Just quit that job. And sometimes we need to press through and let something to be restored instead of running from something that maybe God wants us to embrace. You know, look at the families that could still be together if we just took the time to face the issues. Instead of running from it, what would this world be like if we were those types of people that were looking to restore, not to run? You know, it's so interesting. Last week, um, I had a flat tire in our car, and it was so. And like, like I, I gotta say, like guys, it's so funny when something happens that's like technical with like a car, because like it just it's like a magnet. Like all the guys came around. Oh, what's going on? Can we fix this thing? And they're all looking around, and I'm like, I'm clueless. And I'm, I'm so glad you guys are awesome guys. Like, fixed it and everything like that. Put the, put the spare tire on. 
And um, it was not a good moment for me because I was like so frustrated. So, oh. You know, I was like, it was not, it was not a good moment. You know, it was not very, you know, it was not one of those moments that was like, you know, before like a positive church illustration, you know what I mean? My car got a flat tire and it looked so beautifully. The Lord was with me. You know, it was, it was not a good moment. Not a good moment at all. But how silly would it be if I had that flat tire in the car and I was like, oh, time to get a new one. Like, that would be so silly. What a waste. All I needed was a fixed tire. An expensive fixed tire. But all I needed was a, was, was a tire. And when we look at our, 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 our lives, what are we looking to throw away? When sometimes all we need to do is just restore something that's broken. Give it some extra attention. Give someone some extra attention. Maybe give ourselves some extra attention. Maybe some of you are just running on empty. It's just going and going and going. And you feel like your values based on what you do because we live in this throwaway culture where it's like our values is only good when we can produce something. But when we look at Jesus' life, how often did he rest? All the time. All the time. You know, God wants to restore you. God wants to restore this place. Um, you know, ever see the, those, those memes, like what I ordered, what I got? You know, you go to like a mission, like, oh, I found this really cool speaker. Comes in, it's like terrifying. You know, when we look at, when we think of heaven, we think of like early gates in the clouds somewhere. But in actuality, those early gates are going to be here, not up there. And when I think of heaven, I think of that like little Oxboro like repair store that is like fixing shoes and restoring things, bringing life to something that someone would throw away. It's like a little piece of heaven, and it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't look good, but here's this place that brings value to something that once was worthless. That's a piece of heaven. And that's what God does in our lives. Acts 3, 21 says this. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins. Pour out showers of blessings to refresh you. Who needs to be refreshed today? Be right here, long here. And send you to the side to prepare for you. Namely, Jesus. For the time being, he must remain out of sight. That's kind of where we are now. In in the meantime, until everything is restored to order. I love that phrase. Until everything is restored. Not just some things, everything. Just the way, again, just the way God, through the preaching of the Holy Prophets of old, said it would be. God's not the only one in this world. God's not giving up on you. He wants to restore you, give you hope, and a future. future. Jeremiah 33 says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. An everlasting love. Through the good, through the bad, through all things. That's the type of love that our God has for us, that has for you and for me. So what about new heavens as we close? New heavens, new earth. Well, in the ancient, in the ancient mind, the biblical writers, heavens referred to the skies, the outer space, as well as from which God dwells. God must restore everything. Everything. 
hope. Because you ever think about some of the places in your life where you feel like, uh, like, God, I could get God restored now. I don't know if God will restore this, you know? Everything. It's like a picture of not just this creation, but our lives as well. Verse if you can come. You know, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Ananias. And he was someone that is easily forgotten. But he is remembered because of the person that he prayed for that is tremendously important to the New Testament. Um, at the time, there was someone who was against Christianity. His name was Saul. He was a villain. And he was out to kill Christians. And he was there giving approval of when he possible Stephen, one of the early church leaders. Giving um, approval of his death. And here's this villain, this person that in, in, in their culture was just the antithesis of who you want to reach. The person that you would want to avoid. And this person meets Jesus on the road as the transformation. And the interesting thing is that transformation didn't just stop there. God wanted to use a believer to help complete that transformation and that building his life. And it's interesting to me that God called Ananias to pray for Saul who eventually become Paul. Which is interesting that his name wasn't changed until after Ananias prayed for him. I find it so interesting. You know, we sometimes just want God to do everything. And it's an easy cliche, and it's easy and spiritual.
Glimpses 